Last week, John introduced three themes for who we are as a church. As an introduction to the This Is Us series, we want Elim to be a welcoming church that is embrace new people from all backgrounds because God wants us to share his good news with others. We want Elim to be a discipling church. We want to be used by God to equip one another so that we can advance his gospel in our world. We want Elim to be a missional church. That is, we want to engage with our world, seeking to help make known God and his love and grace. This week, we're going to look at the themes or the theme of equip and how Jesus has sent us his Holy Spirit to equip and empower us that Jesus will be seen in us and we'll do his work in this world. The scripture passage that was read was from Acts chapter 8, 14 to 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. A very interesting passage. Now, how did Samaria come to hear the gospel? How did Samaria come to hear the gospel? So we need to look at a few chapters before to see how did Samaria come to hear the gospel because this is just an excerpt from chapter 8. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, tells us a group of 120 Jewish believers, among them the apostles, Mary the mother of Jesus, brothers, and other disciples, were gathered in a room. In obedience to what the Lord had told them before the ascension, or before his ascension. Luke records this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, and Acts chapter 1. So, Acts chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, for the gift that my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. While they were praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And all who were gathered there began speaking in other languages or tongues of the people that were gathered in Jerusalem. I'm not going to do an interpretive study of, you know, uh, what kind of tongues and, you know, uh, all those things are not the focus of this message today. But it's interesting to note that God chose first Pentecost after Jesus Christ's resurrection to pour out his Holy Spirit on 120 believers. Please note that. The Feast of Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. It represents the first fruits gathered as a result of the labor of those who completed the spring grain harvest. Pentecost serves as a reminder that God grants His Holy Spirit to the first fruits of His spiritual harvest. Now after this happened, Peter stood up. Before a great crowd, Peter and the 11 apostles stood up before the great crowd and they proclaimed Jesus the Messiah. 
Peter called on the listeners to repent and some 3,000 were baptized and added to their numbers. Talk about phenomenal church growth. From 120 members to 3,120 in one service. In Acts chapter 6, we read Stephen, Philip, and others who were appointed to manage the distribution of food between Grecian and Hebraic Jews. It is stated that there were men full of faith and of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 6. Stephen also did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. In Acts chapter 6, we read that. Stephen was also a gifted debater. So he spoke boldly before the Sanhedrin about Jesus the Messiah. Unfortunately, this angered the council and they formed a mob and stoned him to death. Right after that, a wave of persecution started, severe persecution started. This persecution breaks out against the church at Jerusalem and the disciples. So the apostles decide to stay behind, but the rest of the disciples disperse. Philip, who was recruited to manage the tables, to manage the manage the food distribution program along with Stephen and a few others, now Stephen is dead, goes to Samaria because of the persecution. He doesn't go to Samaria as a refugee, but he goes to Samaria as a missionary. He went around the city proclaiming Jesus Christ and performing miraculous signs of healing and deliverance, and many accepted the gospel. This is how Samaria came to hear the good news and many believed and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and received the Holy Spirit. Going back to what Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem but in Judea also and Samaria as well. The question I have is, what is it that Philip and Peter had or have? I need that too. What is it that Philip and Peter have? I need that too. This was not a question that was asked by me. This was a question that was asked by Simon the sorcerer. He was in that predicament because he was a magician in Samaria. When Peter and Philip and John came and laid hands on the people, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That affected his business. He was known as the great one. He was known as the divine one. Till Peter, Philip and John came along. His enterprise was affected. So this is the question he was asking. What is it that Philip and Peter have? I need that too. Simon heard the message of Jesus Christ. Because he was so curious about this. He heard the message of Jesus Christ. Preached by Philip. Believed and was baptized and began to follow Philip. Although he believed and was baptized, he was still self serving and not Christ serving. So he believed on the Lord Jesus, he was baptized and following Philip. But his heart was not in the right place. 
He was following Philip for self-seeking purposes, to expand his enterprise, not to expand the kingdom of God. He had observed the way the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, probably would have sat with the others to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what I was thinking when I was reading the scripture. Where was Simon when the apostles were laying, on a, laying, uh, laying their hands and praying for the people? He probably would have sat in. Probably would have sat in with the others to receive the Holy Spirit, but did not. So what does he do? He approaches Peter with money. Can I buy this gift from you? Because apparently I don't seem to be getting it when you're laying hands on me. But I need my enterprise to grow, so can I just buy it off you? Because if you have it, you seem to have more power than I have. Does it remind you of an example from the Old Testament? Moses and the magicians? At some point, the magicians could not replicate the miracles of Moses. At some point. At some point, Simon could not do what the disciples were doing. Simon wanted the Holy Spirit and the power for his own enterprise. Although he believed on the Lord Jesus and was baptized... He was full of bitterness and sin. Acts chapter 8, 23. I'm going to repeat that again. Although he was, uh, he believed on the Lord Jesus and was baptized, he was full of bitterness and captive to sin. In other words, his heart was not in the right place. Although he believed on Jesus Christ and was baptized, Jesus Christ had no place in his heart. Self and sin was still on the throne. Self and sin was still on the throne. Thus he could not receive the Holy Spirit and wanted to buy it off Peter. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 9 says, 2 Timothy chapter 3 1 to 9, Paul gives a descriptive list of behaviors which describes our society even more sadly the behavior of many so-called Christians. Verse 4 specifically reads, People in the last days are treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And Paul writes a letter to Timothy addressing the church. Addressing Timothy. I'm convinced that despite our theological leanings, we as children of God should make every effort to gain a renewed and deeper understanding of the reason for the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, and the result of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to repeat that. Despite our theological leanings, our viewpoints on the Holy Spirit, each of us need to gain a greater understanding 
or should make an effort to gain a renewed and deeper understanding of three things. The reason for the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, and the result of the Holy Spirit. From my study, when I was preparing for this, I looked at the reason for the Holy Spirit. Just one example from the Bible. John 14, 16 to 17. The Holy Spirit, the reason why the Holy Spirit came is because when Jesus went to heaven, we needed somebody to be with us and in us. A counselor to guide us. Parakletos, parak- the, the, the advocate, the counselor to walk alongside. That's the analogy, to walk alongside. Not to possess, evil spirits possess. Holy Spirit guides to the... They they are different. Please don't say the Holy Spirit possesses me. The Holy Spirit does not possess you. Evil spirit possesses. Holy Spirit guides you, not just you. So the Holy Spirit, the reason the Holy Spirit was given is as a counselor to help us to be with us and to be in us. So what's the role of the Holy Spirit? What's the role? John 16, 3 to 15, he guides us into all truth and brings glory to Jesus Christ. The role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all the truth as a counselor, as a person called alongside to help, to guide us into all truth so that we, so that we glorify Jesus, not ourselves. You see the difference now? Kind of coming to the forefront between Philip and Simon, he needed the Holy Spirit to glorify himself. Philip was moved by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and brought glory to Jesus. Am I making sense? Okay. Result. What's the result of the Holy Spirit? John fifteen twenty six. The Holy Spirit gives us strength and encouragement to be a witness for Jesus even in the midst of troubles, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of persecution. He gives us the strength. At some point, our well runs dry. We don't have anything more to give. We've had it. And some of us have gone through those stages, difficulties, pains, heartaches, Lord, I don't have it in me anymore. I'm, I'm done. And from nowhere, boom, as you sit in the presence of the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Where did that come from? Where did that word of encouragement come from? So, just as an example, I've provided three references. Reason for the Holy Spirit role of the Holy Spirit, and result of the Holy Spirit. Use the handout, please, to discover from the Bible these three aspects of the Holy Spirit. It will be an interesting study. Just because, or just using the Bible as and concordance, if you have one. If you don't have a concordance, don't worry. You can use the electronic version of the Bible. Plenty out there. Plenty. And it's free. 
Use the Bible, the electronic version. Use the search feature and type in Holy Spirit. That's exactly what I did. Just type in Holy Spirit. And the software will find all the passages related to Holy Spirit. You can try different combinations. You can try power of Holy Spirit, gift of Spirit, and so on. Don't just try Holy Spirit. Try different combinations. You will get a whole list. And once you've done that, please only use the Bible. When you come upon a particular verse, read the entire chapter and the chapters before and after to get the context. Don't take a verse out of context. Please don't. So when the search engine or the search software finds the particular passage, you open up the entire passage if it's in your physical Bible and read the entire chapter and the chapter before and the chapter after. So you get the context. If not, it'll be taken out of context. Try not to use commentaries, okay? Those of you using Life Application Bible and RV Application Bible, don't look at the commentary at the bottom because the commentary is commentary. Let the Bible interpret. So at that point, please do not look at commentaries. There is a time and place for commentaries. Try not to use commentaries and other interpretive resources during this exercise. You can use different versions of the Bible to get a better picture of the text. I love it. Bible Gateway has a beautiful program. It's a good program. It's, uh, the, the, the basic version is free. You can use multiple parallel readings. It's good. I want to see that particular verse from particular readings, particular versions, trans, translations, a paraphrases, the Message Bible, which gives me a better appreciation of that particular verse. It's beautiful before you run to commentaries. So it's all at our finger, fingertips. You can use an Android, you can use an iPhone, you can do it here. It, it's, so there is no excuse before you go to the commentary. So it's a little exercise. Please do not overwhelm yourself. I'm going to do all this in one sitting. Please don't. Try one line. Today I'm going to find out, I'm going to type in Holy Spirit and see what comes up. Today I'm going to learn about gift. I'm going to type gifts of the Holy Spirit and see what comes up. After you've done that, after you've understood the verse in context, place it in the appropriate category. Once you've discovered the verse, you have read the chapter, you've read before and after, you've looked at different versions, then identify it. Where would it go? Which category would it go? Is this the reason for the Holy Spirit? Is it the role of the Holy Spirit or is it the result of the work of the Holy Spirit? It will be an interesting exercise. And guess what? These are nuggets you are mining for yourself. This is not coming from me. These are nuggets that you're mining for yourself. A Bible teacher once said, the nuggets that you mine for yourself are the ones you will hold most dearest. I'm going to repeat that. The nuggets that you mine for yourself are the ones that you would remember and hold dearest. And I pray that as you engage in this exercise, the Holy Spirit would give you a renewed understanding, a deeper understanding, and you would have an intimate relationship 
with Jesus Christ and his spirit. From the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit gave the once fearful, fearful disciples of Jesus Christ boldness and wisdom to share the good news in the midst of persecution. If you notice, God wanted to advance the good news about Jesus Christ and he used persecution and the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through the disciples to proclaim Christ, perform miracles and grow the church. So he used persecution and power of the Holy Spirit. We saw how Philip responded to the trouble that unsettled him by being Christ-centered and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, whereas Simon, when faced with the problem, the loss of his enterprise, became unsettled. And what did he do? He chose to buy the Holy Spirit. He was self-centered and operated in the flesh. So again, two differences. Philip, persecution, trouble, became unsettled. He proclaimed Christ. He depended on the power of the Holy Spirit and proclaimed Christ. Whereas Simon, on the other hand, he depended. He too had a problem. His business was dying. There was a trouble. He became unsettled. But instead of depending on the part of the Holy Spirit, which he wanted to buy off from Peter, he depended on his self and his flesh and the power of the flesh to uh, get the work done. In other words, Philip was full of the Holy Spirit, whereas Simon was full of himself. With no room for the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. Philip was full of the Holy Spirit. Simon was full of himself with no room for the Holy Spirit. Philip was equipped for bringing God's love and the power to, and power to the world, but Simon was not equipped to do so. So, through the reading of Acts chapter 8, we've discovered two characters and what motivates those two characters. One is Philip, the other is Simon. One operated in the spirit, the other operated in the flesh. Interesting. Both believed, both were baptized. Both believed, both were baptized. So, where does that leave me? Where does it leave me? So I need what Philip and Peter had. We as a church need what Philip and Peter had. We can do with a phenomenal growth. Don't you agree? We can do with a phenomenal growth. Don't you agree? Amen. And yes is good too. But we cannot do it in ourselves. We cannot do it with our programs. We cannot do it with our policies and procedures. We cannot. Our well will run dry. But we can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. When you discover through that little exercise, feel free to share. If there is something to share, we welcome that. We can put it on the bulletin, uh, e-news, whatever that Rachel does. And uh, we can also give that opportunity for you to come and share that experience because we don't want to remain we don't want you to remain there thinking wow I learned something new but nobody gets to hear about it please come forward 
share it with the congregation that enriches, that builds. So, next steps. How do we become equipped for service? What do we, where do we take it from here? Where do we take it from here? I should mention here that there are different theologies and viewpoints on the Holy Spirit. I should mention here. I've simplified this. How he comes. When does he come? Why does he come? Does he come? What he does? What does he do? And where he comes, so on and so forth. These are all different theologies. I've just simplified it. Where does he come? Does he come? How does he come? Why does he come? Does he do the same thing still? All of those. Different theologies, different viewpoints. My focus is not to highlight any particular viewpoint. My focus is not to highlight, but simply to bring to the forefront the work of the Holy Spirit in equipping the children of God to engage with the world. That's my goal. To bring to the forefront, to our minds, the work of the Holy Spirit in equipping the children of God to engage with the world. I'm of the belief that each one of us will get a sense of the need and work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Each one of us would have that sense. Therefore, these steps are to help us move in the direction if you so choose to. You still have a choice. So these steps are to help you move in that direction, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. So, let's look. The first step, earnestly ask God for the Holy Spirit. Earnestly ask God for the Holy Spirit. Luke 11.13 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask him. You know your self and your relationship. Earnestly ask for the Holy Spirit. Second one, consistently choose to obey God. Consistently choose to obey God. It's a choice, my friends, choosing to obey God. Acts 5, 29 and 32 Peter and the other apostles replied, this is when they are before the Sanhedrin, we must obey God rather than human beings. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who who obey him. So consistently choose to obey God. Patiently wait for God's timing. Jesus told his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they had to wait in the upper room. Paul had to wait for Ananias to come and lay hands to receive the Holy Spirit. He waited. He did not move out till he knew that he had the Holy Spirit. So no matter where you are and your relationship with Christ, you know and that is what I would encourage you to do. Lastly, wholeheartedly continue to love God and others. As you patiently wait on God to work in you, to move in you, to fill you, don't use that as an excuse. 
not to love God and to love others. Wholeheartedly continue to love God and others. In 1 John 4, 7-8 it says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Ultimately it is love. So, becoming equipped for service, how do we do that? As members of Elam Chapel, earnestly ask God for the Holy Spirit, consistently choose to obey God, patiently wait for God's timing, wholeheartedly continue to love God and others. My encouragement is that you would go home and discover your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the reason, the role, and the result of the work of the Holy Spirit through scriptures. And my prayer is that doing so, it will illuminate you, it will renew you, give you a deeper understanding. Rather than look at different theologies, go back to the scripture. Do that little exercise, role, reason, result. Use the scripture to inform you. And then we, pr- we pray that that will give you a better understanding. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time together to look at how you have provided your Holy Spirit to equip us to boldly proclaim the good news about your son, Jesus. Help us, help each one of us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and through our lives. And help us to experience you in a closer way, in a more intimate way. As we study your word, as we decide, choose to study your word, pray that you draw our hearts, you would open our minds and help us to grow more and more in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.